In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, having five Sundays to meditate on, on today's passage, I, find my, I found myself looking at, um, at our passages in Exodus and Matthew and Romans, and a happy earworm planted itself in my head. Three lines from a well-known hymn. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, from Exodus 12. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, from Matthew 18. And strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, from Romans chapter 13. Or you can think of three Ps, pardon, presence, and power. First, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth from Exodus 12. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you down, Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. Hunkering down in homes protected from the angel of death, only by blood smeared above and to the sides of the door, sobering, as was sharing a meal in preparation for a dangerous journey of deliverance. Living in dangerous times ourselves, whether because of a health crisis that we've been living with for over three years now, it just won't seem to let go, and the economic rivalries and racial divides that's, that have been unmasked, whether, whether because of the acrimonious political climate of our own country and the violent clashes in hot spots around the world. It's good for us to be reminded of the singular message of hope that we bring. Hope for freedom, hope for liberation, at whatever cost, to such a world in such times. Here in today's Exodus passage is season two, episode three. And if you need to catch up, go listen to the last couple of sermons, first by Canon Bales and then by Canon Orlando. Here in the Exodus passage is season two, episode three of God's great epic of winning back and blessing the world he loves through his people Israel. Indeed, today we find ourselves in the pit that Canon Orlando referred to last week. A pit filled with destructive, soul-destroying evil that has surrounded us and captured us. Israel is enslaved in an Egypt that has, by this chapter, now undergone ten horrible plagues for their resistance against the goodness of God and his intention to free his people. Jumping into the pit with us and for us, God, the great I am, whose very being is holiness, justice, and goodness, cannot not destroy the evil. But here's the problem, and thus the drama of episode three. The pit has found a home in us. And so the great I am in the pit with us wraps us with a blanket of his own holiness so that when the angel of death comes to burn away the evil of the pit, we do not get scorched and destroyed, but rather we get passed over as though we were wrapped in some sort of divine asbestos. 
And thus, the Passover meal that seals our pardon and secures our peace. Think about the incredible imagery here. A lamb without blemish is slaughtered. And the word slaughtered means slaughtered. It must give its perfect and innocent life. And then the death must be signified, made into a sign, blood on the lintel and blood on the doorposts. I don't know if, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it's hard not to see an amazing Easter egg in this passage of the redemption that the great I am would eventually offer in the Lord Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, slaughtered. The, the passage that we quote every, every, every Eucharist, <clears throat> Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, that's way too tame a language. In the Greek, it is. Christ, our Passover, is slaughtered for us. Let us keep the feast. And the death being signified by blood, the head and the arms. The power of the cross to conquer your captors, human and demonic, our own captivity to sin and evil gets passed over by the death of another. So we eat to get ready to go, our loins girded, sandals on our feet, staff in our hand on the way to rescue, on the way to being given a new identity as God's special possession, royal priesthood, holy nation, stewards of the revelation of God's very character. Oh. Dear friends, that you may know the embrace of the Savior and the covering of your sin by the blanket of his holiness. Second, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide from Matthew chapter 18. For where two or three are gathered in my name, <clears throat> there am I in the midst of them. In Matthew's passage today, Jesus makes this most extraordinary promise, a promise which he can only make because he is Emmanuel, God with us, the great I am who holds us wrapped in the blanket of his holiness, here to cheer and to guide. As I note in my book, With One Voice, Discovering Christ's Song in Our Worship, and something I learned from my friend Joel Hunter and that I shared with our choir probably eight years ago on a choir retreat. Barbershop quartets, okay, and how many singers in a, in a quartet? Yes, four. Very good. Barbershop quartet singers maintain that when their voices blend together just right, they hear a fifth voice. That sonic illusion created by harmonics is, I believe, a divine whisper of something that is absolutely true of our singing when we gather in worship. We're not alone when we sing. We're not alone when we worship. For the Bible says that in the church, Jesus is singing hymns to the Father. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Look it up. 
and that in fact, Jesus is our worship leader. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2, look it up. He is called our liturgist. It's why singing and music are so central to our worship. It's so that we can hear the fifth voice. But it's not just in the singing. And frankly, some are either tone deaf or, I don't know, somehow just didn't get the music gene or whatever. For the writer to the Hebrews, Jesus is present in the preaching, in the praying, and in the table communion. Again, see Hebrews chapter 2, chapter 7, and chapter 13. Read them through. Look it up. And then for Matthew, our gospel for this year, Jesus is present whenever we are together. Note, that is together. Together, when we help each other in dealing with the residual elements of the pit in ourselves, we need each other because God wants to protect us from ourselves when a brother or sister sins against you. Together in our deliberations, whatever you bind on earth. Together when we meet one of the least of these in the hospital, in prison, on the side of the road. Together as we go to make disciples of the nations. Lo, the great I am says, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm grateful I'm grateful that we gather together today. This is the third version, so we gather together again and again. I'm grateful that today we can share waffles and food trucks and ice cream. This is a, this is a diet busting day and I'm, I'm just, I'm embracing it. I'll, I'll be at Orange Theory in the morning and I'll be paying the price, but I'm gonna enjoy today being with you all. I've just experienced three weeks of online church. I'm grateful that since COVID began, we've been able to offer our 1015 service online. I'm grateful for those of you who worship with us online. I know it's a lifeline for many. And I know some people dress up for it. I know you're there. I know that some are able to sing along. I know that because we hear about it when we get the lyrics wrong. I know that dear cathedralites don't happen to live here anymore. And I know that COVID isn't done with us yet, and some people feel the responsible decision is to maintain distance. I get it. I understand. And I love you. But listen, screens are a distant second to presence. Educators know that. Groomers and manipulators take advantage of it. I know that I'm much more likely to yell at something I disagree with on a screen than if I had to deal with the person on the other side of the screen, in which case we would be two people talking face to face. I would find a more polite, winsome, and maybe persuasive way to disagree. And I might even find us learning from each other. This is just to say, when you can be here, be here. If you can't, that's okay. We're still here for you. We love you. We love you and are committed to extended worship as best we can 
and we appreciate any feedback that we can get to help us do that better. But by some mystery, Jesus is here in the bread and wine, in the passing of the peace, in the, hello, how's your week been? No, I mean, really, how's it been? Here when we sing and pray and just hang out, share a meal together, share waffles together, go to the food truck together, have some ice cream together, participate in foyer groups where we get together once a month, eight or so of us for a year. And three, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow from Romans chapter 13. The Apostle Paul sees us living in the day in which the promise of living lives that have been stunningly renewed is ours. Even the law, once a terrible threat and reminder of of our sin, now takes on a different role. The law, no longer our bitter accuser, is now in the hands of the Holy Spirit within us, our wise companion. For now, having been loved with the love of God's eternal covenant, poured out on the cross for us, we learn to love. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Now, in view of the coming of the day, indeed, there are cautions against letting our desires rule us. Orgies, drinking bouts, beddings, general debauchery. And Matthew 18 indicates that there sometimes sometimes needs to be difficult truth speaking. But I don't know, I discovered by the Spirit's work over time, I don't have to be like Riley the Irish setter whom I've told you about. Riley was an Irish setter that we had that we got him and he was just like really insecure and he was okay as an obedience dog, but barely. And and the only reason he obeyed was because he was afraid he was gonna get punished. We don't have to be like Riley the Irish setter But we could be like Ty Cobb, our English setter. Now, Ty Cobb, Ty Cobb was a national obedience champion who just, who obeyed because he loved his partnership with me. Whatever I wanted to do was what he wanted to do. Where I was was where he wanted to be. We can be like that because of God's onboard presence by the Spirit. And so, again, over time, the Spirit has taught me to take a look at the commands that Paul talks about here. Don't commit adultery. Because, like, when I respect the boundaries of intimacy, I can know real and deep and honest and honorable and loving relationships with people all around me. Do not murder, <laughs> because when I stop wishing that I could take out the person who cut me off or jumped the line or insulted me or even sabotaged my career, but instead, as Jesus taught, bless them rather than curse them, pray for their well-being and resolve to forgive them. I don't know, suddenly I find I'm overwhelmed by the mercy extended to me by the one who jumped into my pit 
and went to the cross to rescue me. I find I'm more attuned to the world of misery and brokenness and bitter and bitterness, more fit to be an ambassador of his reconciling love, whether my personal enemy is accepting of that love or not. Don't steal. When I give to my neighbor, instead of taking from them, the, re the, re the reward always comes back to me, usually multiplied, and you shall not covet. When my desires shift from wanting my neighbor's house, or one like it, or maybe even better, to wanting this one thing, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to know his presence, and to see the beauty of his face, a massive shift takes place. I become grateful for whatever shelter I am afforded in this life. And I become more concerned with whether my neighbor knows that same hope than whether their lot in this life seems better than mine. Okay? Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. We've been pardoned, forgiven, and wrapped in the blanket of the I am's saving holiness. We really have thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Jesus, the great I am, is present, truly present among us. And strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And therefore, by the indwelling of his spirit, we have power to embody God's life in this life. And yes, we really can. And that's why we come to this table as the Lord tells Moses, with loins girded, feet sandaled, and staff in hand, as a perpetual observation. Amen.